When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Shriver. Snyder with Scar. Now it's scores. Ball Rabel splits two and scores. Kylie Miller showing off those shifty skills and finishes that shot behind Liz Hogan. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home. What a start. Welcome everyone to Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we are your main source for Pro Lacrosse News. So this is our first podcast. We started it back in March because we saw a need for a news source solely focused on pro lacrosse, Adam and I both came up with this when we saw that the Premier Lacrosse League was starting out and, um, you know, MLL obviously was still, you know, going strong and the WPLL is entering its second season and the NLL is probably doing the best out of all of them. So it's a great time to be a professional lacrosse fan. Do you have anything else to add to that, Adam? Yeah, no, I'm just really excited to kind of get in the swing of things to talk about not only the, the two great men's outdoor leagues, but the WPLL with their rebranding, which is really exciting. Just had a really awesome finish uh, to the indoor NLL championship last week. So we have a lot to cover. Yep, absolutely. Um, the NLL is obviously not in season anymore, um, but uh, we'll start off with the Calgary Roughnecks defeated the Bandits um, in Game 2 back in May, and they ended up winning their third NLL championship um, in a 14-13 win over the Bandits in overtime. They had defeated the Bandits in the Game 1, by a score of 10-7. to And so this is their third championship, their first since 2009, when they defeated the New York Titans. Um, And their first championship they won in franchise history was back in 2004, and they ironically defeated the Buffalo Bandits then as well. So we want to just congratulate the Calgary Roughnecks. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about the National Lacrosse League, you know, this offseason. There's an expansion draft coming up uh, with the new teams, the New York Riptide, as well as the new Rochester Nighthawks after the old Nighthawks moved to Halifax to become the Thunderbirds. So there's a lot still going on with that league, and they obviously, they're, they're the largest and I'd say the most successful of the professional lacrosse leagues out there, so we'll be talking a lot about them. Uh, but for our fast break today, I'm just going to go through, you know, the scores from the weekend. So in the inaugural weekend of the Premier Lacrosse League, in a thrilling game, the Archers defeated the Chrome 13 to 12 in overtime. The Whip Snakes defeated the Chaos also in overtime, 15 to 14. And then the Redwoods defeated the Atlas 11-9 in another close one. So really great lacrosse um, from the Premier Lacrosse League the first weekend. Phenomenal job in Boston, and looking forward to more big things in the future. Then on the MLL side, uh, they started out actually last Friday, May 31st, when the Denver Outlaws defeated the Lizards 11 to 9, and that saw the return of John Grant Jr. out of retirement. Um, he's 44 years old and can still play, so we'll get a little bit more about his coming out of retirement and what his motivations might have been a little bit later. New York Lizards then lost their second game to the Boston Cannons 13-12 in another close one on Saturday, and Sunday the Blaze defeated the Outlaws 14-12 and the Bayhawks defeated the Rattlers 14-11. Now to the WPLL. There's five teams in the WPLL. The Brave did not play this weekend but the Command, Fire, Fight, and Pride all played also at Gillette Stadium, where the PLL was. And so on Saturday, the Command defeated the Fire 11-8, and on Sunday, the Fight defeated the Pride 6-4. So that's your fast break, uh, scores from the weekend. 
let's dive in a little bit to some of these games, Adam. What was one of the games that really stood out to you? I predominantly uh, watched Sunday's game with the Redwoods and Atlas. That was pretty intriguing to me, just with a few Hopkins guys going against one another and Kyle Harrison of the Redwoods and uh, Mr. PLL himself, Paul Rabel, um, taking on um, his former uh, teammate when they won a championship at Hopkins in 05. So I thought that was not the most intriguing game to me, but the one that kind of stuck out to me that I paid the most attention to. Awesome, awesome battle kind of back and forth. That one, you know, there's a lot of offense on both of those teams, but it seemed to kind of come down to the goalies. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Kincannon of uh, the Atlas, despite the loss, came up huge in a, a number of scenarios. Um, and, you know, he was a guy that didn't get much playing time um, with the MLL. He was backing up Austin Cow with the Florida launch mm-hmm. um, last year. And, you know, I think this is this is going to be his chance. We've heard a lot of good things coming out of training camp that, that he's been playing really well. Um, and obviously that showed in game one. Then on the other side, Troutner. Um, yeah, Timmy Troutner. Yep, Timmy was – Timmy kind of – stood on his head the whole game and obviously as a former goalie myself those are the kinds of games I I, I like to watch so um, I I was super excited for both of those guys to kind of one to get their first shot uh, as starters and and two to play so well kind of for the crowd in Foxborough. Mm -hmm. Yeah and uh, you know another matchup too that was interesting is the you know the master against the student with uh, Trevor Baptiste going up against Greg Beast, that was also a big matchup. Um, they were pretty even. I, I think Baptiste might have edged him a little bit, but um, you know, for the most part, they, it was it was a really close match. And you know, there's there's some new face-off rules that we'll touch on a little bit too. Sure. Um, they didn't really, I didn't really notice them play that big of an impact though, which I liked. It was you know, I think it, it the rules did a good job to kind of make it a little bit tougher for these Fogos to win the face-off right away. But I think face-off guys still were able to you know, go out and dominate and do a good job, and I think it's kept to the spirit of the game. The game I liked the most, though, had to be the Archers versus the Chrome. The Whipsnakes' Chaos was also a phenomenal game, both going to OT. But just the back and forth, the way the, the Chromes battled um, in the end just to come back still, I thought was phenomenal. And all the offenses, you can tell, they, they, they sped up the game a little bit. You know, The field's a little shorter going into the rules. Um, it's now 100 yards, as opposed to 110. Really minor change. I don't think that really affects it too much. You could tell it did speed up the game a little bit, going coast to coast. But I think it's a it's a no brainer because um, I I'm guessing they're they have a long term plan. You know they're going to be playing in a lot of soccer stadiums this year. But yeah. um, in the future, if they play in football stadiums, it makes it a lot easier for them to to adapt the field to that. But this game was great. You know, the Archers got off to a four nothing start. It looked like they were going to pull away. And you know back to the face off thing. A lot of people. There's been a lot of controversy around the face off, um, particularly you know when TD Erland this past college lacrosse season dominated. You know the X most of the most of the playoffs. But what I, I will point out, though, is that these face-off guys aren't just facing off and getting off. You know, I like to say they're facing off and getting one now. A lot of scoring in both college lacrosse and now in the professional lacrosse as well from the face-off X. And so I, I just think critics, you know, have some valid points um, in how the, the face-off is handled, but I, I think it's here, and I think it's here to stay. You had Connor Farrell out there going out and Dropping bodies, uh, you know, as a face-off guy. You had Stephen Kelly with the very first Premier Lacrosse League goal. Eleven seconds in, he won the face-off, went down, and scored, and put the Archers up by one. And I think that was, you know, the best best way for the Premier Lacrosse League to start is that hey, the face-off is, you know, it's here and it's here to stay. 
Yeah, but what are your thoughts too about about the faceoff and you know how how the PLL is handling it? Yeah, I was I was super excited to see kind of what they brought to to the faceoff X, and um, I'm obviously a huge proponent uh, of keeping the faceoff. We we've seen kind of the same talk when it comes to the draws in women's lacrosse as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that nine times out of ten becomes. Uh, a talk because of the competitiveness. No one was talking really about getting rid of the face-off until uh, TD went to Yale, right, and, mm-hmm, and yep. added to an already stacked lineup. And um, you, you see, it, it's become such a pivotal part of the game and a, and a super exciting part of the game as well. So mm-hmm. I don't see there a reason to, to get rid of it. I'm super excited of what the WPLL and the PLL are doing. And, you know, that so many stu- uh, student-athletes um, and are going pro and they had the opportunity to kind of find a niche from the face-off X or, or draws. And, you know, you see the beast um, with the face-off Academy or his counterpart on, on the women's side, uh, Sammy Joe Tracy with the draw control Academy. They're doing some really cool things and um, it just adds a facet to the game and a uniqueness to our sport that um, I don't think we should lose. So. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Tommy Kelly also scored a face-off goal, and he went through the face-off academy um, with Greg Beast, as he's commonly known as, and he ended up scoring a goal for the Chaos this weekend. And he has an interesting story, too, because he went to UVA and dropped out after his first year and was out of lacrosse for a little bit and ended up making it into the professional league through the MLL, and now he's playing you know, for the Chaos as their face-off guy, um, and he had a goal this weekend. So it just goes to show, you know, like, like you said, it, it provides these players a secondary, you know, position for them to play, sure. um, and they're just equally as important. Um, Absolutely. So overall, you know, I, I think the what the PLL is doing too. They they made some tweaks to the faceoff. Um, there's more of space between the the crosses of the uh, sticks yep. when they when they go down. They actually have lines on the field, which I think is genius yep. because um, you're making it consistent. Um, the ball's already placed down, so it's not an issue of when the referee puts the ball down in between the sticks, you know, they might be going towards another. Um, And, you know, they got a lot of feedback from the face-off guys, and they took it to account, and I think a lot of it was, you don't want to change it completely, but I think they made it a little bit more of a 50-50. It's harder, you know, clamp um, and and get it, it, win it to yourself. Now it's a little bit more of a scrum, and there's even a rule now that actually the in the PLL that wing midfielders, uh, whether they're LSMs or regular midfielders can actually check the face-off guy's stick as they're, they're battling for it. Yeah. So I know some people aren't crazy about that. I'm still on the fence about it, but that is another way that makes it a little bit more of a um, 50-50 ground ball situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just talking about the lines on the field, taking the players' uh, kind of point of view, I mean, the league's for the players, by the players, right? That's yep. their thing. So uh, it only makes sense that they're, they're going to take what – their own players say to make it a more exciting competitive game so absolutely and so back then to the archers game phenomenal back and forth game so the archers went up four nothing and then the chrome started you know chip away um they didn't have the lead uh though until the third when they tied it up 10 10 ending the third they went into the fourth and you know it looked like there was going to be some more scoring and it ended up being the chrome going up 12 10 um early in the fourth but the archers didn't do much until marcus holman Hat trick goal with seven minutes remaining was yeah. unbelievable. I don't know how he wrapped around a defender. Um, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's all over social media, but it was just an unbelievable uh, goal to put them within one. Um, yeah. And then they got another goal from Ben McIntosh just inside the arc with a little under like two minutes left to tie it up and send it into overtime. 
um, which is another interesting thing, you know, that they, the addition of the two-point arc, which is an MLL, but they, they put it a, a yard closer, so it's 15 yards now. Um, but we didn't really see many of those. We saw one from, I believe, Schreiber uh, in the Archers game, but for the most part, it you know, it wasn't really a factor, and we'll see if it becomes more of a factor as the games progress. But then in, in overtime, Gutterding unleashed a shot that barely hit off the pipe, yeah. ironically with uh, a UVA goalie in Adam Gittleman, yeah. so that was, I thought, a little irony there, knowing that UVA got that controversial goal awarded to them that hit the yeah. post. But Will Manny, who unleashed the game-winning goal, um, a snipe to the top corner to put the Archers up in the first ever PLL game, and you know, it was a great game. and. Going off of that, I think the most fun thing about the broadcast was listening to the players being able to talk to the broadcasters during the game um, and having them mic'd up um, you know, on the sideline and, and even in the game too, which was really hasn't been done before in another sport, uh, let alone just lacrosse. It hasn't done in, been done in any professional sport. So that was a really cool thing to add to the game. Absolutely. And, and we talked about that shot off the post with Gittleman and that. It's going to be kind of just the storyline I'm looking at is ter- in terms of players that were starting in the MLL um, and ended up not starting right away for the PLL. So mm-hmm. currently, I guess, at Gittleman's backup is former Lizard starting goalie Drew Adams, former goalie of the year in the MLL. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of follow some storylines about, obviously, breakout candidates um, for rookies in the PLL. Um uh, who haven't played professionally before, mm-hmm. uh, and also to kind of see any kind of controversies that may ensue when it comes to the cage or the face-off X or kind of all over the field. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm really excited to see what the next couple weeks will bring. No, absolutely. And on the flip side, you had uh, Brett Queener backing up John Galloway, you know, for the yeah. Chrome. So that's another established stars in the MLL. But yeah, so definitely some storylines to look for. Follow us on social media and Twitter or Instagram. We're always following you know the big name signings and stuff. And there's been a lot of gray area with that. There's been some players that looked like they were going to sign with the MLL that have gone into the PLL pool but haven't been playing. Um, They didn't make the roster. So there's a lot of different things going on with that, which uh, we'll definitely keep you guys updated on. So going back, though, to the hot mics that we we got with the players, I I want to touch on a little thing that I had an issue with um, was the NBC Gold streaming on Saturday. Those two games were streamed on NBC Gold. And they were mic'd up, and they were unfiltered. You know, you had a lot of F-bombs dropped, which, you know, it's, that's part of the game. It, it happens. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not going to tell the players to, you know, they need to clean up their language. It's, you and I both played in college, and I'm sure we, we let our share of curse words fly throughout the game. But I was watching with my younger brothers. The youngest is nine, and I, I do take exception to them letting that go on air. So I definitely think they need to clean that up, whether they it's bleeping it or, you know, being very strategic when they do go to the mics. Because, you know, I know Will Manny let a, a few of them fly. I don't want these guys to have to clean up, watch what they say during a game. It's a heated competitive environment. They shouldn't have yeah. to be, you know, held responsible for a few curse words let. But the sure. game is, you know, about growing the game at the youth level and you have a lot of young fans watching. So uh, you want to send the right message. So that's something I'll, I'll look to see how the PLL handles that going forward. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, as anything currently with the PLL, it's going to have its growing pains here and there, mm-hmm. you know. And, Absolutely. Um, that's one thing maybe they, they thought about them liking up. And, you know, NFL does a fantastic job with that as well mm-hmm. through NFL Films. And that's just something I think they, they probably use this a, as a litmus test to see what went well, what didn't. And they're going to use this whole season, obviously, to some extent, to, to see what works and what doesn't. But um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what goes on kind of going forward with that. Um, maybe there's just a warning or something on the gold uh, subscription that just says warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. They're going to let it rip, so be prepared or something like that. So um, it's all, all learning experiences kind of from, from every side, but I definitely can see, see where you're coming from on that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do a disservice to the game that followed that game because the Chaos Whip Snakes was just as good. Um, and the Whip Snakes looked like they were going to roll. Um, but that's the beauty of lacrosse is it's a game of runs, and you know it's always back and forth. And the speed of this game with the 50-second shot clock, which is the, you know, the shortest it's ever been, I believe, um, in professional lacrosse. You have the 60-second with the MLL. You have 80 seconds with college. And I don't think it was ever shorter than that in the MLL than 60. I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I might have to fact check that, but um, so 52 seconds is obviously not that much time, but it is still plenty of time, you know, to set up your offense and, and run it. And so we saw a lot of scoring um, throughout the day, and a lot of you know a lot of lead changes. The Whip Snakes got off to four nothing lead, and um, the Chaos kept you know hanging around. It was eventually eight three at half. And um, I, I th- thing I liked about the Whip Snakes is they got a lot of production from a lot of different people. You know, you had Connor Kelly involved, Matt Rambo, you know, Drew Snyder. Um, so you ha- had a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, Jules Henningberg. Yeah, Jules Henningberg. He had a nasty, uh, nasty goal right on the crease where I, he had at least four, four fakes or whatever. I had my head spinning. But, yeah, so a lot, lot, of, lot of different, you know, guys getting involved. Even Ben Reeves, you know, who, who we yep. saw come in late uh, uh, he had last a big game. season with the Rattlers. Yeah. And then obviously coming in late to score a couple this week as well. Um, so it's that's one thing, like I said already, it's interesting to see that dynamic of uh, the players that came over from PL, MLL uh, to PLL and kind of vice versa. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the chaos ended up coming, at, coming back and um, tying it up, sending it to overtime, and they must have traded goals, I think, at least three or four times. Um, I kept check, you know, I kept checking. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the second half. I was only able to watch the first, but I kept checking, and it was, you know, 10 10, 10 11, yep. 11 11. It just kept going back and forth until finally it was 13 13, going into a second overtime of the um, PLL history. And Drew Snyder came up big and sp- scored to make it a 14 13 win for the Whip Snakes. So, yeah, some really, some really great games on that first day. Um, and like you said, even the Sunday game was really close to and I also found it interesting too so these games did end in overtime but yep. uh, something to note is they can end in a tie um, so the periods in the another new rule for the Premier Lacrosse League is they're playing 12 minute quarters and when they go into overtime is another 12 minute period but that's it if you don't if no one wins in those 12 minutes it ends in a tie and I think they probably do that that way the scheduling doesn't get backed up but, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to have too much of an issue with ties. I, I'd be very surprised um, with how lethal all these offenses are if we have a game ending in a tie. But it can happen. After that, I think you know, if you want to segue into the WPLL, since they, they played after the Whip Snakes and the Chaos on Saturday, and then they played before the uh, Redwoods and the Atlas on Sunday. Just going off of the, the attendance, it looked like a lot of people left after the game on Saturday, which was a little disappointing. Um, but then again, you got to know the, the target audience. It was probably mostly youth males. And then it was a little bit better turnout, I think, at the beginning of uh, Sunday. So I think maybe that might be what they, they try to do in the future is maybe um, lead with the, the women's and then end with the men's. Um, that way, you know, people who are arriving a little bit earlier get to see the women. You know, it, it, we'd love for it more 
fans to come out for the women's game, but the nature of sports is that it does tend to be more male-heavy. Um, we're trying to change that, obviously, and the WPLL is doing a great job by partnering with the PLL to change that. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone's going to stay for a game, that Pride Fight fight game had, had has everyone everything you're looking for when you want to see a competitive women's professional game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the rosters are actual, absolutely stacked. Uh, the, the fight are kind of my odds-on favorite to win it this year. We might do a segment on, on projecting kind of winners and losers for the season. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, they have, have the names. I mean, whether it's last year's Tuarton winner, Sam Puzo, this year's Tuarton winner, and first goalie ever, may I add, Megan Taylor. They mm-hmm. have, obviously, the sports, arguably their best player, Taylor Cummings, Kayla Trainer, Laura Lay from Florida. I mean, they they are absolutely stacked. And then going against a pride team that has Alex Ost, Caroline Steele, who just came off a national championship with Maryland, obviously Sammy Joe Tracy, who I already mentioned, and then arguably the best goalie of all time, Liz Hogan, mm-hmm. uh, coming out to, to play uh, for the pride. It's I'm so excited to kind of see, see what they have. Uh, the rebranding they just did was super exciting. And obviously I just talked about those two teams, but the other squads are stacked as well since, since the rosters are – uh, smaller with only five teams, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be exciting to see what they have to offer kind of through the season. I hope I hope the numbers for for fan attendance goes up. May have to do. Uh, we kind of talked off off air about kind of Boston as a whole with Foxborough isn't really in in the thick of it in terms mm-hmm. of fan attendance and whatnot. Um, but I think it'll be it'll just be a litmus test to see kind of how things work with them and. They're obviously, like you said, doing a great job um, with promotion on Twitter, Instagram, and all those types of things. And similar to the PLL, their players are, are are really doing a great job as well on their individual accounts and whatnot. So I'm excited to see what they have to offer mm-hmm. going forward. No, absolutely. And I, I think that you know the you saying the rosters are stacked is interesting to note too because um, women's lacrosse they tend to score more goals. You know, it yeah. tends to be a little higher scoring. And these these scores were you know 11 to eight. Um, the command over the fire, which is you know pretty, pretty low scoring for women's lacrosse, pretty standard though. And then the fight held the pride to four goals, you know, six four. Um, so he, it goes to show the talent, not all, just on the offensive side, but the defensive side as well. Um, and like you said, you know, with Megan Taylor being the um, first goalie to ever win the Torton, you know, th- these these women players are the real deal, and there's such a um, there's such a, a high volume of them in yeah. such you know, small five teams that you are going to get really the, the best competition um, out there. So, yeah, well, I, we're definitely looking forward to I know you and I are both going, um, you know, when they go to Baltimore at Homewood. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be exciting to watch because we'll get to watch some PLL games as well as some WPLL games in person. And I'm going to the um, the one in New Jersey next weekend on Sunday, so I'm looking forward to that and kind of getting up close and personal with the PLL. Um, so in, in my my now home state of New Jersey. Not originally from here, but now living here, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them at Red Bull Arena. I'm really excited. You know, we talked about the production of uh, the PLL. Um, the WPLLs you can watch on ESPN Plus now, which mm-hmm. is super exciting. Yep. And I, I think I'm such an advocate for the women's game, just my wife playing and a lot of people in our family obviously playing over the years. And it's, a, it's an awesome game. It, it just needs to be in front of people, and, and they'll see uh, why we've loved it for so long and why it's a super exciting sport to watch, you know? Oh, yeah, no, and it's, it's, it's nonstop, too. You know, I, I think the PLL, the professional league does a really good job of uh, being fast-paced, you know, at the pro level. 
um, whereas the college game has kind of slowed down on the men's side. But the women's game, it's, it's always fast-paced. You know, you don't, you don't have these long, drawn-out possessions because it's just impossible, you know, with, with the way the equipment is and the way the fields are and the number of players. Um, you know, it really is back and forth, um, and more, more so like a, a soccer or a hockey than, than people realize. So, you know, I, I really I agree with you. I think people are really going to start to catch on, um, and the exposure they're getting on ESPN Plus and ESPN3 I think is great. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But, um, you know, last but not least, we can't, we can't overlook the MLL. Um, I know we have a lot of people that are either in the PLL camp or the MLL camp for, you know, there are various reasons, and I know you and I are both of the belief that more lacrosse is good for the sport. You know, I think we're really looking at right now the AFL and the NFL of yep. lacrosse. Um, you know, th- those two leagues back then, people forget, they when they were just starting out, they were competing for the best players. You know, they were competing for media exposure. Um, they, were, they were going through the same things that the PLL and MLL were going through right now. Um, and obviously we eventually had a merger of equals and that. I don't know what we'll get with this. Um, you know, something's going to, push is going to have to come to shove at, at some point. Something's going to give um, in the next, whether it's the next three years, five years, or ten years with these two leagues. Um, so I don't think having two leagues is sustainable in the long term, but whether there's a merger in the future or we have, you know, an MLL, PLL championship Super Bowl game, who knows, you know, that one can yeah. dream, right? Um the bottom line is right now we had twice as much lacrosse this past weekend than what we've gotten in the past, and I think no one's been really more excited about it than this year because the PLL has you know really got people excited about the professional game again. Um, but on the flip side, I think it's it's really helped the MLL try to you know they they they've had such a stagnant product for the past four or five years that I think it was like okay. This is a wake-up call for them. They got to step up Absolutely. their game. You know, competition breeds the best, and I think you know for the most part they're actually doing a pretty good job with the product on the field. Um, marketing definitely leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, I think they definitely need to up the ante on that and know you know what their audience is because they're still very involved in these youth communities, yeah. um, which is something that's overlooked. You know, the PLL goes to these cities one weekend um, each week, uh, so or one weekend each year. So they're only they're only going to these cities once. Whereas these teams that are based in these cities, you know, like the Cannons are, you know, they have, there's a Boston Cannons beat writer, you know, writing for Boston Globe and stuff. Like they, they have that community aspect to it. And um, I think that, I don't want to say that's overlooked by the PLL. They definitely recognize that. But, you know, their, their tour based model is definitely a, a unique approach. And I think it's going to work out for them. But um, you can't, you can't overlook the, the MLL's strengths as well and in being involved in the community. So I think, you know, if they leverage those strengths um, from a marketing standpoint, they can still still compete. And they still got some players, you know. Tell me a little bit about the players that are still in the MLL that I think, you know, don't get enough love. I mean, you got, you got Rob Pinnell still um, on the Lizards. He was actually held to a quiet, quiet, uh, quiet weekend for the most part. But you got Lyle Thompson. I mean, there's guys still out there. Yeah, and I mean, even... The Lizards, I know they lost two games, but, I mean, Kevin Crawley's on that squad. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have a lot of good players still on that team. Austin Cout, who was runner-up for goalie of the year last year yep. in the MLL. Um, I mean, they, and they brought in a lot of Towson guys. I know we talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. Just recently graduated. Um, arguably now, probably, our boy on um, the Atlanta Blaze this year. Um, he is arguably the best uh, face-off guy now in in the MLL. Yep. So, yep. um 
it, it's in a super exciting time for them too. And I'm like you said, it breeds success. And I'm excited for um, the MLL to give some players an opportunity that might not have gotten that last year. Um, so it'll be interesting, like you said, to see what happens with both leagues. Um, but I'm excited for a lot of other players, maybe, especially obviously being D3 guys ourselves. There's some more D3 guys on squads this year. Yep. Um, it's it, it's exciting time for, for that league as well. You know, obviously from, from the marketing standpoint, kind of leaves your head scratching how they kind of had a, uh, a draft, right, for, for college players. And then turns out they, they folded Three teams, yeah. That literally just drafted, so um, who were part of the same ownership group, which is obviously kind of a struggle. And um, you see kind of all over Twitter, save the machine. The Ohio yeah, machine, yeah. Uh, have, have a big outcry. Um, even right Charlotte so. Hems, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. from, from that standpoint, uh, it, it's tough. But I think the product on the field, I, it was still a great couple games that I watched over the weekend. And, um, like you said, Lyle Thompson's back, and um, Phipps and Goal for for the Bayhawks. They, they have they have some strong players, and, and the league has some strong players still, mm-hmm. obviously. And it's funny too, like you have, like you, you said, you had some of these Towson guys, like Zach Goodridge, um, also who who they they chose, you know, to sign with the the MLL. And I think part of it was probably because the the PLL is a little oversaturated right now because they do have what I would argue the better player pool, but. Um, you can't overlook, you know, the the guys that they still have, and you have like a Dylan Malloy who was actually in the PLL player pool, um, yep. but because of, you know, some off the field differences that we we don't really know about, but I'm guessing it was probably his job um, that he possibly wanted to keep, you know, that act, what what was the MLL's perceived weakness of, you know, having these players be more part time than professionals, is now kind of being seen as a strength because if you're a guy that um, is coming out of college, and maybe you just don't want to play professional lacrosse full time, you know, on that salary because the PLL, what they're doing is great, giving them benefits and full time wages. But let's be honest, the full time wages still aren't don't compare to you know other professional sports in the slightest. So if you're a guy coming out of college and you have the opportunity to get a good paying job nine to five, but you want to play professional lacrosse, you can still do that in the MLL. Um, and I think that's probably why some of these guys chose that because. They're only going to a few cities during the summer rather than touring the whole, the whole country. Um, so I think that is kind of an advantage, you know, the MLL has when, you know, that was kind of one of the reasons why, you know, Paul Rabel decided to split and create his own league. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic, you know. These, these leagues are competing, but they're, they're still very different beasts, and um, we're kind of in a Petri dish right now trying to figure out what's, what's working best for both leagues and, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see a combination of both in the future. But right now, it's you know, it's an interesting case study. Yeah, I'm excited to see where both go. Obviously, and um, it's it's so funny. You're not comparing apples to apples, right? They're they're yeah. different in a lot of ways, and um, we just have to see how this year plays out and, and going forward. That's why I'm so excited to kind of do this podcast uh, and have all of our followers and listeners kind of have us along for the ride, pretty much, to see how, how both leagues go. Yep, no, absolutely. The competition breeds the best, and I think more lacrosse is great for the sport. So I, I urge you fans out there of professional lacrosse, don't pick sides. You know, like, you may like a different league more than the other one. That, that's fine. You're definitely allowed to do that. But, you know, let, let's, not be, let's not be turning on each other just because, you know, I like the PLL and you like the MLL more. Like, we're still lacrosse fans, and that community aspect of lacrosse 
is so important that if we start turning on each other, that's when it will go south. Like I said, obviously the PLL and the MLL are going to have their differences and they're going to duke it out, um, whether it be on social media or, um, you know, in the, the TV ratings or, you know, just in getting the best players. But that, that is a business um, competition that is not anything to do with the fans. I think the fans should be happy that we have such great products on the field and so many opportunities to watch games. You know, I've never been more excited about professional lacrosse until I, I heard about the Premier Lacrosse League. And, you know, now I'm sure. going to a few games. Obviously, I can't tour the country with them. And I, I'm actually still more excited to get to some Lizards games and possibly Bayhawks games when I come down back home. Um, and so that's that to me is, is exciting too because there's still stars in both leagues and, you know, more lacrosse is, is better for the sport. So... I think we've kind of touched on everything you know we want to touch on, unless you want to address the the last elephant in the room of uh, one particular MLL player, adding a little bit more fuel to the fire of the rivalry between the MLL and PLL. Absolutely, I was uh, really intrigued when I saw the that John Grant Jr. was coming out of retirement um, to play as a player coach for uh, the Denver Outlaws, um, and I tweeted out when I was watching the games the other day that he just so happened to be three points away. Um, from breaking the uh, league's points record, which ironically was broken last year by uh, Paul Rabel uh, mm, yep. himself. So uh, obviously no inside uh, information from this side of, of the desk, obviously, but it's just intriguing that he came out um, and might be breaking that record fairly soon mm -hmm. to get uh, atop those record books. Um, yeah. So just something, food for thought. I yeah. thought that was interesting, and it could have, obviously, he I've met Mr. Grant before, and he's a fantastic person, and obviously he's doing a lot of cool things um, in the community in Denver, and um, obviously as a coach last year for them. So, um, But it was just just thought was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It almost feels like a little bit of a, a vendetta or um, you know, maybe a Michael Jordan coming back you know, to get a few more championships. I mean, the guy's 44 years old, still playing at a high level, but... It's definitely either got to be personal for him or so, some other motivation than just coming back. Um, for the, maybe it is the love of lacrosse. We don't know. We can't speak for him. But definitely, yeah, definitely an interesting storyline to watch this summer. So I, I think that's going to wrap us up. Um, obviously, this is the first of our podcast. Um, but, you know, check out our website. We have a lot of great content on there. You know, we're going to focus on having some recaps, some highlights. Um, we're also going to have some, you know, feature human interest pieces as well. You know, I, I got to speak with uh, Scott Ratliff and Adam Gilman who, who started the Give and Go Foundation and they travel from country to country to kind of start up lacrosse programs and, and talking to them was a phenomenal experience. So we'll have an article about that coming out soon. Um, you know, just a lot, a lot of great stuff from our website. Um, follow us on social media. We love, you know, hearing from you guys. We want to we wanna try to get some, some fan engagement going. We're, we're going to try to do a segment called Fan Photos Friday, where you submit your photos earlier in the week, and we'll, we'll post the best ones on, on Friday from you, you being at the game or watching the game. We're really going to try to just be really involved in the community. This isn't just something we're doing for us. We want to you know grow the sport as well, and we think what's going on in professional lacrosse is, is great right now, and we like where it's headed. Our last segment is overtime. What are you looking most forward to this week, Adam? Uh, a, lo a lot of cool games coming up. I'm, I'm really excited to see what... Red Bull Stadium has to offer, um, D.C., all, everything pretty much what what the difference between uh, the stadiums. Obviously, we talked about uh, being in a football stadium with the overhead camera, the aerial shots. Mm -hmm. I'm super intrigued to see what uh, 
not that much smaller, but a smaller venue does, um, and see what the types of crowds are going to be going forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and uh, I will be there on Sunday, so um, if, if you guys are listening to this and you see me, you know, feel free to give me a shout. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the product on the field and, and some more professional lacrosse. It's going to be good. All right, so that, that does it for us. You know, that, this was our first episode of uh, Pro Lacrosse Talk. If you guys enjoyed us, you know, feel free to subscribe. We'll be on iTunes, and then we'll be also on uh, Stitcher pretty soon, um, if we're not already by the time you're listening to this. So feel free to subscribe. Give us a like on social media. Tell us what you thought and what we can improve on, and, and we'll go from there. But, uh, Adam, thank you for joining me on this, and this has been uh, our first week of Pro Lacrosse Talk.